upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw and Duggan. If you'd like hearing knock-knock jokes or jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else! Oh! oh my god, this is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip Podcast. This is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. Good, how you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man, what's going on? We ready to go, or what? This is a uh, special visitor, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. It was a very rough feud to go through with Rick. It was a very bitter feud, too. He certainly didn't like me at that time, and I didn't like him, and we were both trying to be at the top. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't beat me. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that, and every kid, I, they knew they could kick the shit out of me. At this point, well, I'll be at a signing, and little kids will come up to me and throw up the click sign or talk about, oh, your ladder match with Sean at WrestleMania 10. I go, wait a minute, you weren't even a glimmer in your dad's eye. But yeah, bro, it's really flattering and, and amazing and humbling. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two men. security for world wrestling and one of our wrestlers that lives down there is missing okay what's his name chris benoit the father killed his wife and son and then committed suicide why did this happen how did it happen if you're gonna say i'm glorifying a murder stop listening now the secret was out of the bag people want to know what really goes on behind the scenes wrestling was a brotherhood it was like being in the mafia someone doesn't just fall from the top of an arena, something went wrong. And there's a woman who yells to stuck at you goddamn murderer. I stuck him like nine times. I counted it was nine. There's nothing fake about guys breaking their bodies down. The tails get taller and taller and bigger and better. This is not something that does the public image of professional wrestling a world of good. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am a JP, a John Paz, and you are listening to the flagship interview series, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling empire. Today we welcome in Evan Husney from Dark Side of the Ring. And before we get to that, just want to mention today's episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Check out BlueChew.com and listen on later on in the show where Chad will have some more information regarding Blue Chew for you. So check it out later on in the show. Now back to Evan Husney 
of Dark Side of the Ring. This is such a compelling and great, great series. Obviously, if you've seen Season 1, you are geared up and ready for Season 2, which came out with an absolute vengeance. Season 1, which we go through literally piece by piece, we'll literally, in this interview, go through every single episode. So Season 1, we go through Fabulous Mula, Bruiser Brody, the Montreal Screwjob, Macho Man and Liz, the Gino Hernandez episode, and of course, the Von Erichs episode as well. And we'll kind of touch on different things and really, really get into it. And this is such a great interview for me because it's so interesting to kind of get behind the scenes and really learn all about the series and learn all about Evan and Jason kind of put together here with Dark Side of the Ring and really talk on a lot of this subject and a lot of the important issues and topics in professional wrestling that have kind of been brushed under the rug or maybe WWE can't talk about it for political reasons or you know, many other reasons where they kind of want to keep their nose clean and stay out of the controversial topics and it's not really PG to get into some of these stuff so it's really really excellent to kind of get into a lot of these topics that haven't really been covered or they've been covered but not as into detail and haven't been heard of in a while and really haven't been dug into recently and really really have a kind of modern spin on it too which is really really good there's so many good things that they put into the series whether it be the lighting the reenactments uh, the actors looking so much like the wrestlers and just everything they the detail the interviews the really investigative work i mean they really do an awesome job with this series it's one of my favorite shows going on tv there's no doubt about it i mean i just love the show and i obviously love this business so it's the perfect combination for me and it definitely is the perfect combination for not only hardcore wrestling fans but also the casuals as well i mean they're really really getting into the stuff and learning a lot of things that they didn't know and one thing that i really enjoy about the show is you learn stuff even being a hardcore fan like myself, you learn some stuff that you didn't know before. So it's really, really cool. And like I said, Season 2, we do hit on every single episode. Obviously, Part 1 and Part 2 of the Chris Benoit series, we get into that. That is kind of the, the meat and potatoes. We really focus on that a lot. And then we kind of break it down and get into the New Jack episode, the Owen Hart Herb Abrams, which is going to be fascinating. The Brawl for All, which is going to be awesome. Jimmy Snuka, Dino Bravo, David Schultz, and the Road Warriors. I mean, so many awesome topics to cover. So much great, great history there as far as all those names. And also so much controversy as well. I mean, you're dealing with some really, really high-profile deaths, really some controversial um let's just say drug and steroid abuse and, and everything else. I mean, we really tackle a lot of issues on this show and in this interview. There's so many tough topics, really, uh, but they're, you know, the world is ready for it. They needed it, and, and it's really, really something that is just awesome to kind of focus in on if you really are a true a blue wrestling fan, whether hardcore or casual. I guarantee you will love this series dark side of the ring and you will love this interview with evan husney of course dark side of the ring is available on viceland and if you're up in canada it is available on crave so the two-man power trip have and the empire have so much else going on as well we've got dutch mantel over on mlw we've got now rick bassman talking tough over on podcast one We've got Shane Douglas, the franchise, on Russo's The Brand, and of course, our home base, the flagship, and we also have Dr. Tom's taking you to school. We've got so much going on in the two-man power trip. you got to just love what's going on, and we got some other stuff coming down, including a new show, which we'll be debuting very, very soon. We'll have more on that in the weeks to come for sure. So right now, let's just take you off, do a little... T 
TMPT house cleaning, do a little TMPT business, and then we'll head on off to Ed. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip, and at Raslin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Michael, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas store for all you Android users out there find us on Google Play and Player FM for all you iOS users check us out on TuneIn Radio Spotify iHeartRadio Podomatic and now Stitcher and of course check out the Empire yes that is the TMPT Empire now TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two man power trip of wrestling and now, without any further ado, the executive producer and creator of Dark Side of the Ring, he is Evan Husney. Please enjoy. executive producer and creator of Dark Side of the Ring on Viceland. Season 2 is out right now. He's, of course, Evan Husney. Evan, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Now, I mean, your show is critically acclaimed. There's so much going on right now. And, of course, the recent debut, the Chris Benoit, the quote-unquote Benoit, Part one and part two episodes being out there. What's kind of been the uh, the overall vibe that you've been getting? Mostly positive reviews, I'm sure. Yeah, the the response has been pretty outstanding. Really, uh, kind of overwhelming. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it seems that it really moved a lot of people. I saw a lot of um, you know very emotional reactions to the episode, and uh, and also while it was airing, you know, on on Twitter, I saw a lot of reactions of people you know, finding out a lot of information about the story for the first time and gaining maybe a new perspective on some things. And, you know, that's, that's always what you can hope as a, you know, when you're making documentaries. So it's, it's, it's been pretty, it's been pretty great. It is uh, unbelievable. I highly, highly recommend anybody out there either catch it on Viceland, Crave, if you're up there in uh, Canada, or of course, YouTube, you guys have released it on there as well. I would highly, highly recommend it. Great stuff. And you're right. You kind of don't expect it, but it is very, very emotional, especially not only when you talk about the death of Nancy and Daniel, but also when they interview or you guys interview David as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those were all, uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, the whole experience, um, um, Jason Eisner and I had, and, and Jason's the uh, co-creator and director of the series. 
when when Jason and I were doing all these interviews for the for for this episode, we I mean you know there were so many just you know incredibly emotional moments as you know everyone from the story just really you know trusted us and 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 um, opened up to us and shared their story and you know we just were always so admire their bravery in 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 doing that and it's and the whole experience was just very uh, intense um, but also at the same time it also felt very cathartic on the same end too and and also you know it almost felt like being almost in a therapy session you know and because with some of the people I mean David and David included you know it's it was kind of one of the first times that he had really opened up about this story um, and so I think for him it 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 was therapeutic in that way to to be able to get this off his chest something he's been carrying around for a long time was this when you kind of set off to do this series, obviously this is season two, but when you started to set off to do this documentary series, was the Benoit episode kind of the thing that was always kind of on your mind, always one of the episodes you wanted to do? Well, um, from the very beginning, this whole, uh, like the whole idea of the show actually just started off um, as a one-off documentary that we wanted to do about the Bruiser Brody murder. That was actually what we intended it to be originally, which is a standalone piece. And uh, when we brought it to the, to to Viceland, um, the, there was the question of, well, can this be broken out into a series? You know, are there other stories in this world? And then it was like, well, yeah, there definitely are. And so then we started to look at, you know, what are the, the, the big stories that have impacted wrestling and, um, you know, that are kind of a, like of a like similar nature. And the Chris Benoit story is obviously probably one of the, one of the most, you know, infamous stories and, and, and the one that's garnered the most attention outside of wrestling. Um, and so it was always kind of a thought that it would be something that we could tackle, but, and we actually considered it for season one, but um, it just wasn't something I don't think we were ready for. Um, I don't think it was something we had the street cred to even do. And um, yeah, so it, it, it was kind of an idea, but, it was, it was something we really didn't approach or really take on um, until I met Chavo Guerrero Jr. while we were making season one is when it, when it first started. So did you think that this was like a very, very difficult topic to cover? Did you almost not want to cover it at first? Cause there's so much in- intricacies to it is, you know, obviously, uh, it, you know, it's pretty dark. Yeah. I mean, I obviously like growing up as a wrestling fan and, and I, I, I remember when the news broke in 2007 and, 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 and just, you know, along with many other wrestling fans, just totally um, uh, aghast at the news and just, it was almost incomprehensible. Um, and then of course, in piecing the show together, even though like this era of wrestling that we're talking about, wasn't like the era that we were originally going to be, you know, wanted to focus on eventually as you know when you put out a show called dark side of the ring you know there were a lot of people that reached out to us wanting to see the story being covered um it was actually after season one aired we put out like the word on social media like what stories do you want to see us cover and and by far and away the top uh response that we got was the chris benoit story and <clears throat> so we had we we also wanted to cover it because it seemed like a story that because it has been so taboo for so long and it, it had kind of 
also never really been fully unpacked. Like it was a story that when it, when it broke originally, um, you know, everyone was searching for answers. Everyone was searching for one convenient answer because it was so, it was so tragic and, and incomprehensible that I think people were just trying to focus on one answer. And, um, and the media obviously had their point of view on wrestling and, and they really used Chris Benoit tragedy as a catalyst to kind of prove their own bias against wrestling, which was already there, which was just that, you know, this was a corrupt industry, you know, steroids are rampant and, you know, and, and basically as soon as they found that narrative, um, that's when the story kind of, kind of, uh, got swept under the rug after that. It kind of like, 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 like the media found their answer, um, as soon as the toxicology reports came out. Um, and then we all kind of sort of moved on, but the story just still just lingered on for so long. And then of course, in the wrestling world, it just became this taboo subject. And then as the years went on, it, it was like, there were so many new developments in like CTE, and I think just, you know, there were so many more conversations around, um, you know, grief and um, emotional mental health and those types of things. And so I think that the story becomes more, it's more and more complex than just, you know, one specific reason why this could have happened or, you know, um, or whatever. So it just felt like it was ripe for rediscovery, even though it is such a difficult conversation to have. And so we kind of figured that if we're going to do the story, it has to be told, you know, from the perspective of the, of people that were, that were deeply affected by this, like some of the closer people in the inner circle of the Benoit family. Um, and so <clears throat> that was kind of the only way I think we could do it. Like we didn't want to do a documentary where there's, you know, expert opinions and those types of things. Um, and that really started when we met Chavo Guerrero Jr., uh, while we were making season one and Chavo just, you know, is such an amazing guy. He's like one of the nicest guys. He's, uh, he's amazing. And, and, and he became a fan of our series but at the same time. He wanted to see this story being covered. He felt like it was a, it was a story that needs to be told as well. And, um, and so it was kind of this, this process from when we were working on season one, like all the way uh, through to when the series finally made it on the air, me and Chavo and Jason just were talking all the time about the story and we were researching it the whole time. And so by the time season two came along as a possibility, we were probably four or five months into researching this and kind of building a relationship with Chavo along the way. And so then when, once we were able to start working on it, Chavo just made all the necessary introductions that we wouldn't have been able to really I don't know. I, I don't know if we would have been able to gain that level of access without him. And so that was vital in terms of him introducing us to people like Vicky Guerrero and Chris Jericho and David Benoit and Sandra. And, and then it was just kind of this process of meeting each person, you know, and um, leading with our hearts and leading with our, you know, kind of what we want, how we want to tell the story and give them the platform to just tell their story. And, um, and then, yeah, lo and behold, we, hit the road and shot the interviews and, and yeah, and somehow we're here today. <laughs> it is very, very well done. Obviously, you know, you, you got to have a, the WWF at that point, the WWF guy at that point, so Jim Ross is obviously on there as well. 
And it, it's mm-hmm. basically, like you said, it's basically very close friends. Dean Malenko, Dean's wife, is on there. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. Vicky, obviously Chris Jericho, David. So did David kind of have a lot of say in who was going to be interviewed for the series as well? Well, um, the the process with David was, um, you know, uh, obviously, like, you know, David, we just felt was a huge part of the story, mostly because <clears> – <throat> You know, you just, you have, what, what's his experience with this story, you know, because you never heard his side of the story. Um, and he was someone that, that you know, um, uh, just, just felt like a new perspective on it. Um, and we reached out to David with the help of Chavo. And, you know, and David was very apprehensive at first and reasonably so. And he wanted to meet us and kind of, um, you know, check us out. <laughs> which I totally don't fault him for. It's, it's, a, it's, it's exactly what I would do in, if I were in his shoes. And so he came out to Toronto where our production is based. And, uh, and we just hung out for like a weekend with him. And we just like, you know, uh, just talked about the project, talked a lot about the, the people that, that we wanted to interview. And, and, and yeah, it just seemed like, you know, he was, he was comfortable with the approach. He wanted it to be, you know, uh, subjects that, you know, we're, we're close with his dad and, and, and we're close with Nancy and um, yeah, we just were very transparent with him um, about what we wanted to do. And um, you know, every step of the way um, he was on board and, um, and then, you know, when it came time to do an interview, it was, it was very difficult, you know, obviously d- during it, cause it's very emotional, but at the same time, at, or like, w- like when the interview was over, he just, I don't know. He kind of like, you know, cause I'd spent time with him before that, but right after that, he kind of seemed like he had, he had, he had dropped, you know, like a big weight off of his shoulders. Like it, it had been something that had weighed him down and he kind of was, he felt different after that. And, and so that was really cool to see, to have him kind of, you know, get this off his chest. It's so interesting that he was kind of blackballed from wrestling for whatever weird reason, because he has nothing to do with it, but because of his name, and obviously, you know, he's very striking resemblance to his dad, too. Kind of was blackwell for the business. But what he says about Jericho and Chavo at the end, I mean, that is just, I'm not going to kind of give it away, but just that is just very, very strong and very powerful that, you know, like those two guys, you know what I mean? It's just it was so interesting to me to see, like, he was basically blackball from wrestling for no reason. Well, yeah. And, and, and one thing I wanted to add, too, which was like really, which was really um, kind of blew our minds as well. Is there was one point when like David was here in Toronto with us, and 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 he was just talking about kind of the like all the nasty things people say to him on a daily basis on on social media, and I I couldn't believe it, and like he showed me like what he was talking about, and it it was like really like how does he deal? I I couldn't believe it. Like I was just so I was so like upset by that and felt so bad and. Um, you know, it was just more, it's just more like reason to like get his story out there. So like people can see like this perspective, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. That is very emotional. Like as well, if you just like think about it, it's like, man, like he didn't do anything wrong. And he's basically painted out as like this villain and, you know, by, by these people on social media, like you mentioned, just random strangers that don't know him in the story. He has nothing to do with any of that. He was a kid, you know what I mean? So it's, it, that, that is very yeah. sad. And he really, if he wants to be a professional wrestler, he should be, Train. Somebody should be out there training. You know what I mean? I mean, he should be out there. 
Yeah. And yeah, totally. I mean, you know, David should, should be able to, you know, pursue whatever passion he wants to pursue. I mean, you know, it's definitely, um, I think just given the climate that, that this story has existed in, you know, because of, because of the way that this story is perceived and, you know, it definitely is going to have his challenges for him, um, you know, uh, in terms of that for sure. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think, you know, he should do, he should pursue whatever he's passionate about. Um, and yeah. And, and just, I, and just going back to the kind of like the, the crazy social media stuff, it's like, and, and like, like one other reason I think the story was kind of important to rediscover because, you know, Jason and I are wrestling fans. Like we've grown up as wrestling fans. And so we have, you know, we're, we're very plugged into, you know, um, the way kind of the culture perceives these stories. And one aspect of it too, is just like, you have this conspiracy theory uh, angle to this whole story that's existed for so long, like wrestling fans, like kind of almost refusing to believe that this, like, like their hero could be capable of this, which I totally understand because it is so, it is so wild to try and comprehend. Um, but also the, the, the consp- like championing the, the conspiracy theory also has its, has its harmful effects for the family as well. And so seeing how that side of it has also like really impacted, um, you know, the, the people who are closest to the story, you know, that also has a negative effect as well. So that was another reason to kind of let's, let's set the record straight on terms of what some of these, like the key details are. Right. You guys do a great job of that. Two hours, two hours worth. This is great. You guys definitely, you hit everything. You hit the kind of when him, when Chris and Nancy get together, the whole Kevin Sullivan stuff. I mean, it's not like crazy focus on that, but you know, you guys hit on each kind of subject and obviously you hear Hmm. from the key players involving each thing. Is that very important? Each subject, you're really getting that not expert opinion, but you're getting that, that key figure opinion. Yeah. And, and that, and that's, that's just kind of what we, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to try and, the story is so big and it's so nuanced and it involves so many different people and intertwining careers and, and like moments in time. And, you know, it's all kind of intertwined in in the wrestling world, of course. And so it's like, you know, we just wanted to hit all of those points so you can kind of get as much of the full story as possible. Has there been any sort of backlash from WWE regarding this? Because I was constantly thinking about this when you guys were kind of putting this all together, because, they have gone out of their way for the last 13 years or so to wipe him. And you mentioned this in the in, in documentary as well, but they've been basically gone out of their way to wipe his name and his legacy out of anything WWE. They wipe him out of shows and all else mentioned his name. Have they or anybody from their team like approached you guys and said, Oh yeah, I don't want you doing any Benoit stuff because it's going to look bad on us. And we've been trying to wipe his, his name out of, out of, you know, everybody's mind for the last 13 years plus. No, uh, no, there hasn't been any interaction like that. Um, you know, and, and from a, from a corporate point of view, I mean, you can understand, I think as a business, like, you know, their standpoint, you know, on this, uh, you know, in terms of being told, trying to be as hands off as possible. Um, and you know, it's, yeah. And it's a very, it's obviously a very complicated mark in their, in their history. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it is an important story to tell for a lot of the personal reasons that, you know, that, that I like that we've outlined and, and, um, and, and that was just what was most important to us is like, it was just most important to us, like when doing the story and especially researching it and especially ta- like first talking to a lot of the, 
uh, people you see in the show is that like the biggest thing that really dawned on us was like the fact that, you know, a lot of these people in this episode are also victims of this, you know, like, and they're, they're still here, but they're the ones that have to kind of live with it and, and, and trying to come to terms with it. And that just, you know, to, to us is, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's such an important uh, point to make in the whole story, you know, in, in terms of, and because it's been suppressed so much and sometimes depression you know, uh, doesn't lead to closure. It just, it makes things more difficult. You know, I think one thing we found when talking to a lot of the people is that they really wanted to share this story. They really wanted to get this out their chest kind of once and for all. So that's, that's, that, that's what we were trying to do. I feel like I said that a lot, but that's kind of what we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As far as you said, you guys were big fans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you still be, because there's so many fans out there. I just, I, for whatever reason, me personally, I can separate business from personal stuff. So I can actually watch Benoit matches, but there's so many people, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't negatively say this, but I mean, there's so many people that refuse to watch his matches. What's kind of your opinion on that? Well, I'm not going to tell like any person, you know, any one person on how to, um, you know, deal with that. I think that is very complicated. Um, you know, it's, and I, and I think, you know, it, it, it is kind of, interesting on like where you draw the line between kind of separating the art from the person and everyone kind of has their own opinion on that. Um, it's even tough. Like as me, like in terms of watching movies, it's like there's certain film directors that, you know, whose movies you, you know, shouldn't go pay to see in a movie theater anymore, you know? Right. Um, right. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's tough. I, I don't really can, I, I would never judge anybody for the type of, you know, like, like if they wanted to watch Chris Benoit matches in their own home or whatever, or anything like that, you know, and, and it's, and it's tough because, you know, like he is one of the best, you know, and one of the best technical wrestlers that this industry has ever seen. Like you can't deny that. Um, it's just really complicated. And so for me personally, like, um, I don't know, like I could, but you know, it's, it's not something I'm going to go out of my way to do, I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a it's a tough issue, I think. You know, I'm yeah, not even I sure can, where I stand on it. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Have you heard any <laughs> kind of backlash that you guys are kind of bringing him to light, and that that's a negative thing? Were you guys also kind of getting that? Because there's been so many positive reviews, but have you heard anything negative? Like, oh, you shouldn't bring his name up. You know, WWE's been trying to bury him. Why are you guys <laughs> bringing it up? Have you heard that kind of end of the spectrum as well? Um, actually, a lot a lot less than I thought I would. Oh um, wow. Yeah, and, and maybe that's just I don't know if that's just it's it's not it's not reaching it to me or 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 what, but I mean some some people obviously yes, especially when we started working on it, there were those who were like why why dig up these old wounds, you know why why do that, you know? And I get from like a point of view of like you know because we we had a we we had a specific vision I guess for wh- how we wanted to approach it. And like we wanted to approach it from a very empathetic point of view in terms of like really letting the people involved, like I said, in the story, like kind of just shit, like tell, tell us your story. Whereas like I could see in like another arena, like kind of digging up the story again, you know, sensationalizing it or, you know, whatever, like that, that's more difficult. That's, that's, that doesn't give that, or that could lead to the, the lack of kind of progressive conversation around it. 
And that's what we kind of want, why we wanted to do it. Like we wanted to create more conversation around it because we think that's ultimately good rather than just, it just being this, it just being this like incomprehensible thing that, you know, is just going to, it's just going to linger on. It still feels like it's just, it's just unresolved and like lingers on, you know, for so long. I think now, hopefully, like, I think some of the better reactions we've seen are from some of like people that have known Chris, like people who, who, people who knew Chris, but weren't in our episode that are kind of sharing their stories now mm-hmm. yep. because they, because they, because they sort of feel like they can now, which, which is, which I think is great, you know, in, in terms of being able to just, you know, share your thoughts on it and like hearing from even on the after dark show, like hearing from, you know, Tommy dreamer was really cool, you know, and then uh, Mick Foley shared on Twitter today that, you know, he wanted, he's going to be sharing some thoughts about it. Like, I think that's all really good because I think that's ultimately things we should have done. I feel like a long time ago is have conversations about this sort of thing um, in order. So, so, so we can either learn from it or, or process it. And I just didn't feel like this, this, these events were ever, that was ever done, you know, at any point in time, just because of the way it was originally covered and because it was suppressed. That no, sense? yep. No doubt about it. And the Eddie Guerrero stuff is really interesting as well, because they're very tight in. Obviously they were best friends. Um, traveled the roads together for many, many years, good buddies, I mean, great buddies. Mm-hmm. And his yeah. kind of grief and his emotion, if you could tell, I mean, he really was upset because Eddie was, uh, you know, there for him and, and knew his struggles and kind of knew what he was going through and really trying to help him even on the religious spectrum and on the religious factors, trying to help Chris. So when he died, right. that was very, very effectful. And you guys kind of get into that, the emotional grief and the emotional this yes. of it was very intense. Yeah, I mean that sort of seemed like a missing piece of the puzzle. Um, um, in in terms of the coverage of this story in a mainstream way, um, and 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 that was something that, you know, when Jason and I set, were researching it, we knew that was something that like people have talked about before, but I think it it even it even hit it even hit harder when we were doing the interviews. And just like, especially with Vicky, um, like hearing her side of the story in that regard, you know, when Eddie passed and how deeply it affected Chris and knowing how close really, you know, uh, Vicky was with Nancy and, 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 you know, all the conversations they shared over Chris's grief over that. And so that was something that was really new to us. And, and yeah, it just, it was sort of, even though it was kind of a fact that had been known, it just really amplified a lot more that particular part of the story with, with almost every subject we talked to was something that everyone clearly noticed that, you know, he was processing this grief in really a monumental way. Now, something you guys do that is so great and you obviously bring in the actors, you you got, Mm. it could be the green screen, it could be the sets, whatever it is, but you guys Mm. do such a good job with bringing in, those, you know, I guess you could say ancillary actors or whatever, you know, the, the, um, yeah, those, uh, those actors that are playing Benoit, mm-hmm. those actors that are playing Eddie and they're kind of blacked mm-hmm. out. The lighting is so good. Is that something that Thank was you. really important to you when you started it? Because I'm just like noticing like, man, it's like th- just like you nail it with the lighting, like the, you know, the cinematography, <laughs> whatever you want. I mean, everything is so perfect, Thank you. but it looks like ben- Benoit, you know what I mean? It looks yeah. so <laughs> real that it's almost like, okay, they darkened out the thing. No, that's you guys recreating the moment. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it was something very important to us in the beginning um, because 
when we were when we were originally putting together the Bruiser Brody episode uh, of the show, which was our pilot proof of concept um, back in 2017, and <clears throat> the way that we wanted to approach making a wrestling documentary is that we really wanted to, because the Brody story was like true crime in nature, we really wanted to like, you know, like elevate the wrestling world, you know, in like a very cinematic way. You know, we've always wanted to show wrestling in a very cinematic way. We like our dream project is like to one day see the like Sopranos HBO series of like the territory era, you know, or something like that, Mm, you know, so it's like, so it's like, you know, we always wanted it because, like, the stories in this world are so rich and so unbelievable. Like, they're so wild. And we just wanted to always just give the cinematic treatment. So in doing that, one of our main influences, one of our main documentary influences is this film called The Thin Blue Line by Errol Morris, an incredible kind of seminal 80s true crime documentary. And uh, in that, it's just so well put together. It's impeccably put together from, like, like the Philip Glass music and all of the uh, and, and, and he has reenactment scenes in it as well, which are all like very noirish, you know, um, very impressionistic, just dark, shadowy lighting. You know, I mean, we're just taking that we're just taking a page right out of that for this. And that's what we wanted to see. We wanted to kind of do a mashup of of like, you know, Errol Morris and like the wrestling world. And um, so when we put it together. Um, it was like, you know, kind of a, it, it solved a lot of problems too, because there's a lot of storytelling that you have to get across that there aren't any like photos or archival footage or anything to cover that. Like these moments that happen outside the ring, all the human moments that happen between these people. And so <clears throat> we just, yeah, we just, you know, we just shoot everything in the studio that we just paint all black. The whole thing is just a black box studio. And then we just bring in, you know, like, very like 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 the idea was always to have very minimal sets so everything's very like very minimally done and then just have it all mostly you know with lighting and like and and and, and use silhouette and shadow and smoke and you know harsh like hard lighting and like you know all that kind of stuff to really kind of be more evocative dreamy and kind of give you an impression of what happened more so than like trying to fully recreate what happened because anytime you try to fully recreate it it probably is not going to work <laughs> you know just because mm-hmm. just because the, the the people you're like re, people in the wrestling world are such iconic looking people you can't find people that look exactly like that but with a little smoke and mirrors you can you can get there and um but so 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 when we cast people to be these these characters it's really all about like does the silhouette match because if the silhouette matches then we can kind of make it work um and man, we've just really gotten lucky with a lot of a lot of different lookalikes <laughs> at mm-hmm. the last minute, like literally at the last minute. Sometimes we'll be like, "Oh my God, we don't have a Jimmy Snuka. What are we gonna do?" You know, because it's like the hardest to find. You know, someone that looks like that in 2020. You know, mm-hmm. so um, yep. but sometimes you just get lucky, and then you know, you find that person, and you're like, "Yes," and you're off to the races. But with Chris Benoit, that was played by Tyson Dukes, you know, who is a local wrestler and here in Canada. Oh yeah. And uh, yep. And he, <clears throat> he he he's worked he's worked with us before in the past, playing different roles. Um, uh, over the course of the show, he's played different characters in the in the, in the reenactments. And it was always kind of like, man, Tyson would be a great would would definitely work as Chris, you know, just because he had that hairline and like everything else, we could make it work. And he was fantastic, you know. And and I, and I think it was it was probably even an emotional experience for Tyson because 
he knew Chris, you know? And so it's kind of almost trippy in that way, you know? Hey, let's pause one second here to tell you about the benefits of using Blue Chew and BlueChew.com. Now, you don't need to be a genius to know the benefits of Blue Chew, but for those of us that need to be enlightened, how about this? It's the first ever chewable, so you don't have to sit in that doctor's office and look like an idiot and wait for your turn. It's got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, and it's fast-acting, and you can use it on a full stomach. And it comes in very discreet packaging, so your nosy-ass mailman isn't going to know what you're going to be doing and taking care of business in your bedroom later tonight. Head on over to bluechew.com that's b-l-u-e-chew.com use the promo code franchise and get your first shipment free and pay just five dollars shipping so bluechew.com franchise promo code take advantage of our very special offer so get over to bluechew.com right now because using bluechew outweighs any of the other alternatives that are out there and make your weekend perfect and why don't you go and spice up the finer things of life yeah very very trippy but yeah, he he definitely can pull it off, and uh, he did a great job. It, it does look so yeah. much like him. It, it's really yeah. really excellent. Yeah, thank you, thank you. You mentioned real quick there. You mentioned uh, Jimmy Snuka, who will have an episode this season. Was that another yeah. kind of hard episode? I mean, it is Dark Side of the Ring, so they're all going to be difficult topics <laughs> and hard to cover. But was that a hard one to kind of delve into with uh, Superfly? Yeah, I mean, it was a it was an episode again that going back to when we asked fans like what they wanted to see. It, it definitely was was one of the episodes that was high on the list. Um, and I, again, one of the stories I remember when it, when it, when the story broke again in like 2015 when he was being charged. And and uh, so yeah, it, it felt like a it, it fit for the show because again, you're taking a real you know human tragedy moment and it's interwoven into the you know bizarre world of wrestling. And this one was one of the, I, I will admit, it's one of the, was one of the harder, more challenging episodes to actually construct because it is, it's a lot of information. There's a lot of um, twists and turns in that story uh, over the course of 30 years. And so for us, it was like we, trying to weave that into an hour of television was very, was very tricky. But um, I think, and there's, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think there might be the most number of interviews in one episode. I think is in that episode. That or either that or possibly the Benoit episode, or they're tied. It just has a lot of different voices, and um, you're trying to reconstruct a lot of things that happened, you know, 30 plus years ago, and um, you know, a lot of it's hearsay, you know, and you're and you're trying to trying to figure out what what what, what really happened, and uh, it was a challenging picture to try and piece back together. That is a tough one. You're right. There's so many twists and turns and ups and downs with like the not guilty, you know what I mean? And then towards the end of his life, kind of them saying he was guilty. I mean, it was a lot of uh, intrigue and mystery to that. But if you if you look at it, I mean, he was a top wrestler for many, many years after that. I mean, mm-hmm. a huge, huge, huge wrestler for many years after that. So I'm very, very interested to kind of see, you know, what direction you guys kind of go with that and kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, where it heads. Is that something you guys don't even know? Sometimes you're like, oh, we think it's going one way, and all of a sudden, whoop, we're weaving left while you thought originally you might be going right. Well, I mean, there's uh, – yeah. Well, let, let me see. I also don't want to spoil it, but there, there, okay. there was um, – you know, I, I think I can do it without it. But there was a lot of reporting done on that case. Obviously, you know, expert journalists 
dug into that story for many, many years mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and, and found a lot of information that, that was not available back when it originally happened. Um, and so, um, and of course, we're talking about, um, you know, the death of his girlfriend, Nancy Argentino, um, and whether or not he is responsible for that. So <clears throat> there was a lot of information that um, came to light, you know, 30 years after the fact. And so, um, so digging into all that, but I will say that when we started to do the episode and interview uh, certain people, there were just like, you know, um, even more kind of um, like there was even new, newer bits of information that were coming to us that were dizzying almost and kind of conflicting to what we had originally thought. And so it is, it is kind of like, it, it definitely this episode is going gonna, is gonna to spark some new uh, debate, I think, and, uh, and, and, and kind of reexamining this uh, and trying to figure out, like, what happened? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Because you're relying, because you're definitely relying on, you know, uh, you're definitely relying on information from somebody, you know, who's no longer here, mainly Jimmy, and then also memories of others you know, uh, from back in 1983. And so like how reliable is that, you know? So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's definitely going to be, definitely going to be an interesting watch for sure. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the fabulous Moolah episode, because after that, I remember reading social media, it was like 50, 50 people saying, no, no, you know, that's not true. Or, or maybe saying like, no, that's the way it was in those days, but she wasn't, uh, you know, prostituting the girls out and this and that. And and she was kind of acting like a manager. And then the other people saying, no, she was prostituting them out. So it's almost like that where the Moolah one kind of uh, brought up a lot of controversy, a lot of conflicting information from different totally. people, depending on who you talk to. Exactly. And and that was kind of like <clears throat> also going back to this, the, the conversation of legacy and art and artist as well, because that was a big, that was a big reason why we looked at that story um, was because of that and um, is really kind of, you know, letting you hear from different voices and letting you hear from people's stories firsthand and kind of coming to your own conclusion when there isn't a conclusion, you know, cause I don't think that there is a definitive black or white conclusion to the fabulous Mula story. And I don't, and, and, and similarly with the Jimmy Snooker story, I think it, it, it's more just the journey and the details and the information and, and kind of choosing what, what you believe. And I think with some of the other episodes in season one, that was kind of ways people were left, like with the Gino Hernandez story. Like, do you believe he was murdered? Do you believe that, that it was an accidental overdose, you know, and those types of things. And that's what makes these stories so fascinating as wrestling fans, because they're almost, you know, or they're probably are more interesting, unfortunately more interesting and more captivating sometimes than what happens in the ring, you know? Yeah. For sure. I love that you covered Gino in the first season because I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of wrestling fans even, may not be as familiar with him, but huge legend. Yeah. Obviously huge in world class, but that was pretty cool. Were you guys very familiar with him? Is that kind of why, like, oh, Gino Hernandez was <laughs> one of the guys with so much potential. We got to cover him? Well, I, I will be honest with you. Um, I, I did not, the, the first time I, the first time I ever heard about Gino Hernandez, because I'm, you know, more of like the late 80s, early 90s generation, um, well, more so the early '90s generation, and then through to the Attitude Era, was like more like you know when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, right around the time Bruce Pritchard was doing his podcast, and it was kind of a big thing at the time. Um, like when he first launched it, he did an episode about um, uh, um, you know about his early days in Houston wrestling, mm-hmm. which was 
the coolest episode I think that he that he's done. And it just went into his time, like growing up and going through the doors of Houston wrestling. And then he just touched on this, like Gino Hernandez story. And it was just like, my, my ears perked up. Cause I was like, what, what, what? Like this, this, there was like this whole thing about like uh, his door wasn't locked or unlocked. Did someone come in there? Did, you know, was someone forced to forced him to overdose? <laughs> and like, and then, like, kind of describing this character as kind of this, like, you know, Ric Flair-esque, you know, heel. And then he lived his gimmick. And all these just really, like, fascinating, like, just sounded like a great story. And so, based on just hearing that, we just decided to look into it as an episode. And I actually remember um, <clears throat> when we submitted it, because you have to submit, you know, to the network every episode that you're planning on doing. Um, and we, we submitted it. And there was concerns that, like, we were just kind of embarking on this episode based on some rumors, you know, based on some like wrestler rumors, you know, cause, and then you risk that because then you might just, you know, you might just not have a good story. You know, you might right. just go out there and, you know, find there's nothing here. And, and, you know, and it couldn't have been more different than that. You know, it like, it couldn't, it couldn't, have, it, it was such a windy road and rabbit hole that we walked into with that story because, it was really like, you know, we kind of went into it, researching it, talking to some people that knew him. And then all of a sudden we finally got a hold of his family and his family, mainly his mother, who we couldn't, we were shocked to find she was still alive. She was like, well, you know, my son's been murdered. I've stared his killer in the eyes and I know where, you know, he lives. And I was like, what? And I couldn't believe that. So then we just kind of packed up, got on a plane went out to spend time with, you know, Gino's family and trying to piece together what their story is and then learning that they've been living in fear for so long. And I was just like, wow, I can't believe this. And so then we, and that episode was just really kind of the episode that really took us on a wild road because, you know, I had a, like off the record conversations with people in like, you know, <laughs> in weird restaurants with a tape recorder and, you know, things. And it was, it was a little bit of a freaky experience in terms of like, what world are we really getting into here? Um, so yeah, that, that, that episode was definitely the, the wildest to produce of the first season. And I think it's really cool for wrestling fans that maybe didn't know that ever, like even like yourself, didn't know that ever pretty cool like, to see like a star that ever who could have been the next big thing. And obviously some controversy totally. happened. Yeah. Which is really yeah. cool of you guys to, to kind of touch on that too. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're not, you know, we, we definitely like, you know, we are covering stories this season that are big stories that a lot of wrestling fans have heard before, you know, or whatever. And like Gino was kind of the deep cut episode of season one, you know, for the hardcore fan. Um, and we wanted to kind of do one of those this season too. And I think the uh, Herb Abrams story with UWF is going to be that episode for this season. <laughs> I'm hoping. That is so fascinating, and I was going to bring that up, but it's great you bring it up now. Herb Abrams, <laughs> the UWF stuff, he, what a wacky dude with such a wacky, weird promotion, but a lot of the hardcores want to know, like, what the hell happened there? You know, we, all this information, <laughs> and, and just to learn a little bit more about him, like, personally. So when you guys do this, it's, like, great for the hardcores because you kind of learn something new every time you watch you guys, which is really cool, and that's awesome about Herb. Yeah, I mean, it was a story, again, that I didn't know a whole lot about. Um, just I had gotten tipped off that this is a story you just need to do. 
because it is, it is, it fits all the criteria. Just go, go, go. And, um, uh, we started researching it and we just like, it just, it just, again, it just like, it was like that rabbit hole just started to turn, you know, and we just started going down the, and just interviewing these, these, um, fascinating characters. It definitely, the characters are, are some pretty interesting characters in this episode. Um, and then the story in itself of just like, here's a wrestling fan, a diehard wrestling fan with a dream, just this lofty dream to start his own wrestling promotion and to really go try and go head to head with Vince McMahon. And, you know, and then of course it just, you know, it failed in such a massive way. Um, and, 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 you know, in, in a blaze of glory almost. And, uh, and it was weird because it was a story that seems like if you know how Herb passed away, it's such a, it's such a like bizarre, almost hilariously. Like it, it, it's just, you laugh when you hear the story, like, and then, um, cause it's so, it's so, it's so wild. It seems like something out of a movie, but then when you talk to the people that, you know, knew Herb and cared about this person, it becomes a totally different perspective on it, you know? And so that was unexpected, you know, as I think people, when they see the story, they're going to see like, you know, they're, they're, people who are familiar with the story, I think they're going to be a little surprised when they see it. Let's put it that way. Yes, it's a crazy, crazy circumstance around uh, yeah. his death. His um, I won't spoil it, give it away, but don't, people don't read it online. But you yeah, want you want to wanna go yeah. fresh into this one. Yeah. So uh, some other topics for uh, season two. Just to throw it out there, obviously, Chris Jericho is going to be the narrator, right, for a lot of the season? Yep. Yeah, yeah Chris, is, Chris, is, uh, Chris is narrating all the episodes. We still have some, some, uh, some uh, left to do with him. So hopefully the situation in the world doesn't prevent us, you know, from that. But on paper, he is yes, the narrator for everything. I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving away from obviously Foley did one, and then Dutch Mantel, who was great as well. So is this just yeah. the kind of thing you guys like to have different guys, or or is something you prefer, or is just like no. kind of a different direction? It was kind of a. It, it was it was it, it was an unfortunate thing, and then of course we just tried to make the best out of the situation. But um, season one of Dark Side of the Ring, it's kind of a it's, it's just kind of boring behind the scenes stuff. But you know, basically, like Dark Side of the Ring season one was a um, American production. It was uh, financed with you know American money, and uh, we actually produced it out of Canada, um, but it was still like an American production. And then when season two um, basically came to be, it was like uh, the quickest way to, I guess, for Vice to put the financing together was to actually, uh, especially for a bigger season, was um, to actually make it a Canadian production. So it, it changed some things for us because there's different rules and regulations that you have to meet to be a Canadian production and to get tax credit stuff. And one of the major requirements, unfortunately, is that you have to have a Canadian narrator. So we had Whoa. to. Okay. Yeah. So we had hmm. to we we had to recast that uh, role, um, which which was which was really hard because we <clears throat> is you know and Chris is amazing and he's so awesome to work with and he sounds great and you know he's been a blast to work with, um, but it, but it but you know Dutch was like the first person we ever reached out to for dark side of the ring, you know, and uh, way back in the, the, when we did the pilot for Bruiser Brody and we loved his voice. And like, you know, you know, he, he, it was just like, 
a thing that, you know, unfortunately just, you know, business stuff, you know, just kind of emerged and, and it was just, it was just, yeah, it just, it wasn't like our, our choice, I guess. I'll just put it that way, you know, but you could turn, you can make it into a positive when you're put in that situation. And, you know, of course, like when you need to find a Canadian wrestler, you know, you know, Chris Jericho is definitely uh, high, you know, high, high, if not on top of that list. Yeah. Why not the goat, right? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he just proved to be so great. Like he's, he's been really fun to work with and he like, it's funny when we record like the voiceovers, like, you know, he'll, he'll like in between lines, he'll just throw in like his own anecdotes about like what's happening in the story at that point. And it's just really fun. This is a really, really fun session with him. That is awesome. And of course with season two, I mean, if you guys kind of released the, the episode list, but it's unbelievable. Next episode really coming up there. You mentioned Herb Abrams, new Jack, which if anybody's Mm -hmm. not, not familiar Right, I mean that is an insane story, and he's an insane character. <laughs> I one of the more memorable interviews we've ever done, uh, hands down. Um, you know, again, that was an episode that people wanted to see. Uh, would I have, would I have, uh, maybe come to doing that episode on my own? I don't know. I, maybe not. Uh, even though I'd, I'd grown up with ECW, so I was familiar with New Jack, but I wasn't really that familiar with a lot of the stories that we wound up covering in that episode. Um, and I'm so glad we did because I think the episode is really one of the more fascinating ones that we've done. Um, and I think it's, I think I, I actually, I'm very much looking forward to the reaction that, 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 that this episode is going to get. Um, and you know, he's just like going back and when you look at the start of new Jack's career in Smoky mountain wrestling, again, total blind spot on, you know, my wrestling history, never, had never really been exposed to that. And that to me was like, just really felt like he was a real, like provocative doesn't even, doesn't even, it doesn't even do it justice in terms of the way that, you know, he, what he was doing down there to get heat. It was, it was unprecedented. I'll put it that way. It was unprecedented and it definitely made it, made a mark. And, and, and so much so that it was almost like it was, it was cutting edge. Like it was really, truly cutting edge. And then, of course, you know, he goes into ECW where it just, he just keeps escalating. And then the, this episode just kind of looks at the trajectory of New Jack and the escalation of New Jack as kind of what I believe as like, you know, his kind of the character of New Jack begins to kind of take over and it becomes something completely different. Very, very cool kind of to throw him in there. Smoky Mountain stuff with the gangsters. This is pre-ECW Smoky Mountain. I mean, whew. That stuff in Tennessee yeah. was it was wild uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Got it. Got to throw out there, Doctor D. David Schultz getting his open oh, episodes. Yeah. That is awesome. That that yeah. must that must have been some interesting stuff because I don't know if a lot of people know that he was a bounty hunter after wrestling. So <laughs> what an interesting. Oh, there's life. a whole section of the episode <laughs> dedicated to it. So oh, that's to awesome. See some amazing bounty hunter footage that we have. What was he like in person doing that, Doctor D? He's one of the coolest dudes we've, we've interviewed. Uh, seriously. Um, Dr. D, um, <clears throat> how it came to be was I got contacted by two separate people um, right after season one aired. I got contacted by two separate people who, who, who told me, um, you know, Dr. D, David Schultz is ready to tell his story now. So, like, <laughs> it was like kind of Dr. D was trying to find us you know, to tell his story. Mm. So 
he 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 came to us, you know, um, uh, like, and I was like, okay, great, you know, and uh, and then it kind of was like, man, it would be really cool to do a basically like looking back at the at the ABC 2020 piece that you know was trying to expose wrestling and kind of look at that piece uh, from all sides because it's a really interesting thing in the history of wrestling because it falls right at that time when, you know, the WWF is taking off and WrestleMania one is about to start. And, you know, here comes, uh, you know, this news crew that's really trying to, you know, prove to its audience that wrestling is a con job, basically that you're, that you're getting duped and you're putting your money in and it's what, you know, you're, you're, you're getting scammed essentially. And so it's just a fascinating time in wrestling history because just a few years later, I mean, it, it, it would just become more of an entertainment show. And of course, then eventually, you know, you know, Vince McMahon would testify to a Senate that, you know, this was all a work, you know, because, you know, to get around athletic commissions and stuff. So this is a really interesting changing tide in wrestling at that time when it was going from being ultra protected into more of the entertainment realm. And uh, at the same time, it just we really wanted to get Dr. D to tell his story, and then we really wanted to get John Stossel to tell his side of the story, which we did, which is really exciting. Um, so it, it just kind of chronicles uh, that infamous slap from the, uh, from the ABC 2020 report that everyone remembers. <laughs> Hell, yeah, that was, that was great. Slap heard around the world. And exactly. <laughs> definitely going to be interested to see uh, like the, the black bulb aspect of it and what happened to dr d after that because yeah it, because that you know, is i was just gonna part. say it. totally and, and and it's kind of interesting because the story kind of examines like you know dr nobody was more protective of the business than david schultz i mean i mean i would argue you know that that he's one of the one of his greatest protectors because he was always you know, kicking cops out of the locker room and kicking managers out of the locker room you know he was a he was a he was a soldier of kayfabe, and um, you know to, to take somebody who took it that seriously, and who lived by that code, and then to have him be ultimately the person that would take the biggest fall for it, um, is uh, is is just kind of what makes the story so dramatic, and that was one of the aspects that we really want to look at for the episode. The Dino Bravo episode is going to be very very interesting as well as I kind of just keep going through season two, but. That one is so fascinating because of his extracurricular kind of activities away from wrestling is kind of almost as interesting as his wrestling career. Well, yeah. So the Dino Bravo episode was one that we actually started working on uh, for season one. Um, we were supposed to do more for season one um, than we wound up uh, actually doing. <laughs> and so we had actually filmed a good portion of that episode back when we did season one. And so, this time around, we were able to finish it, thankfully, and, and, and add some more interviews to it and, and, and more perspectives to it. And that's a really hard story to tell because, you know, um, the, uh, that case, uh, you know, for those who don't know, you know, Dino Bravo being, you know, um, <clears throat> a, a big name wrestler. And after his career, he basically, in, in order to subsidize his lifestyle, he gets involved in um, – uh, you know, some a organized crime sort of uh, stuff. And then he, unfortunately, uh, his, his family comes home and, and, and finds him shot to death in their living room. And uh, the case goes completely cold. 
and the case is still open, uh, actually technically. So there was, so for us, there was no way to get any cooperation from any local authorities or any documentation or paperwork or anything. So we're basically having to work with just interviews from, you know, the people that knew him, you know, to kind of tell their story and to tell what they, what they saw. And it is a, it is a, um, it, it is a very interesting, you know, it's a very interesting story because it weaves in professional wrestling and organized crime and, and, and that whole underworld. And uh, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting story, but also at the same time, one that's, it's also very uh, difficult to kind of get to the bottom of, you know, um, because it is still so shrouded in so much, so much mystery, you know, but at the same time, uh, yeah, so fascinating. Man, it's like, it just, if you just keep reading the episodes, it's just like more fascinating, more fascinating. <laughs> the road warriors will have an episode, which is awesome. And I saw you guys posting stuff of the mm. reenactment, mm-hmm. reenactments. First of all, it looks exactly like Hawk and Animal coming down the stage, but the lighting is awesome with the uplighting too. I mean, just awesome, awesome stuff. It looks like for the Road Warriors episode. Oh yeah, I mean, th- that's kind of like a, a a very personal one for for, for Jason and I. Um, you know, we we both grew up as huge Road Warriors fans as kids. Um, it was just that that was just to us like the coolest aesthetic ever. You know, is the Road Warriors. And so for us, it was like really kind of living out a dream to make that episode. And it's also personal to me too, because I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm from very, you know, a very close nearby suburb to where a lot of those guys grew up. And so for me, it was kind of, it was a cool experience because it was the first time in the show where we actually flew all of the subjects to one place. So we actually brought everybody back to Minnesota um, and we just did kind of the interviews and just tried to, it's really kind of like a Minnesota story. So for me, it was just really cool. Like, you know, to have that kind of personal edge to it. Um, and, and going back to some of the places I remember and growing up and everything. And it's, so, so it's kind of a hometown story for me. Um, but at the same time, you know, we just grew up as just massive road warriors fans and we always dreamed of studio or shooting some reenactments with just, you know, throwing some lights behind those spikes you know, look like spike pads, you know, yeah, like yep. that's just going to be the coolest looking thing that we've ever shot. And I, I can confirm, I can confirm that it is the coolest thing we've ever shot because we just shot it literally two weeks ago or whatever it was, or, you know, something like that. And uh, we just have been going through the footage now. And it's just like, it's, 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 my, it's my favorite stuff I think we've ever shot in the reenactment realm for sure. Uh, it's so, so cool. Definitely looking forward to that. Of course, I have to mention the Owen Hart episode, which may end up being more emotional than the Benoit episode, I would think. I mean, that, that talk about tough topics. Whew. Yeah. I died in the middle of the ring from like one of the most horrific accidents ever. And then they continue the show and it's a family. Yeah. I mean, just all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a hard that a, story. Yeah. Yeah. Was that a hard one to do? Cause it seems like it'd be almost impossible to kind of cover that. Well, I mean, it, it was again. It was a it was a story that <clears throat> all of our viewers wanted to see. It was it was it was right up there at the top uh, with the Chris Benoit story. It's something that people wanted to see. And <clears throat> at first, it was kind of hard to wrap my head around how we would do that story. Um, and then it, and then it all hinged upon like, okay, we'll tell this story, but only and only if we can. Um, 
get Martha Hart and her uh, family basically on board to tell the story. Because there, and, and, and if she didn't want to do it, we would pick something else and move on. You know, that was the only way that the story could be told. And it was right around the time uh, last year during the 20th anniversary of the tragedy in uh, Kemper Arena when uh, people started, you know, doing 20th anniversary podcasts and articles and things. And that's, that's when I actually picked up Martha's book and, and started reading it. And I just, I just couldn't believe, cause I only knew just like a little bit of like, I, I just knew like the bullet points of the story almost. And I, I didn't really like know the nuances of like everything that transpired, you know, in like the 24 hours uh, leading up to that, you know, or like, like, like the day of that event. I just didn't know all of that. And so that to me was just super eye opening. And, and then, and then, and then it became, okay, like this is the story we need to tell from Martha's perspective. Um, again, because it's kind of one of those things too that I feel like a little unresolved for wrestling fans as well. It's one of the, going back to the kind of the Benoit type story where it is something where I do feel like not everyone. I think a lot of people when they see this episode, not only are they going to see a perspective that they've probably never heard, but there's a lot of details that when you really get into the details of that day and the days leading up to it there's a lot that you, that you will be surprised by. And so for us, we were just lucky enough, um, you know, through just, you know, contacting Martha and, you know, and, and basically just wanting to make this in collaboration with her and, you know, wanting to just give her and her family that kind of same similar platform we did for everybody else. And, you know, the Benoit story and everything that, you know, we were able to, that, 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 that she wanted to do this. She wanted to participate and wanted to tell this story. And it's really cool, too, because she shared a lot of personal archives with us. So, like, the episode, um, you, you're going to see a lot of, like, home videos and just really, really just, in, like, amazing, amazing stuff that I don't think people have really seen before. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a tearjerker for sure. Um, just, you know, as Owen, is, which is such a beloved uh, person uh, in this world, you know. Yeah, and that's amazing you were able to get Martha on, too, because she's been, you know, an anti-wrestling person, obviously. I mean, it goes without saying, but for a long time, and she kind of didn't want to be interviewed, didn't want to be bothered, didn't want to really kind of take part in it. So that's just, a like, a great get, you would, I guess I could say, or just an awesome interview to be able to get on there. Because without her, you're right. I mean, it's, there's the meat is missing without her. Yeah, and, and, you know, like, one thing I'll say just kind of just from my experience with her is that uh, – um, that that she like I I wouldn't say that she's not like she's against wrestling. Um, you know, it's just I think when you when the conversations around, you know, basically, you know, she she holds the WWE accountable for her husband's death. Yeah, and um, and you know, therein lies some complications in terms of the way that she feels that you know, about them profiting, you know, off of Owen's name and his body of work. And I think that that's a concept that will become much clearer. (laughs) I'll just say will become clearer. It's a, it's definitely a perspective that for me became clearer, you know, when I, when I, uh, you know, sat down to do that interview with her. Nice. Very, very cool. And I have to mention this, my, my favorite one that I was reading just because I was shocked you guys were covering it, but it was, so good and so memorable, but not good in a good way. Good in just a, just like what the fuck kind of way. The the brawl for all. I can't believe you guys are covering oh, it. this. This yeah. is awesome. 
so I, I was just so intrigued by this because, I mean, the real story, it's like, I mean, obviously Russo's writing it, Vince Russo's writing at this point, but like, why did Vince McMahon want to do this? Like that kind of thing. Were you guys like, okay, we got to cover the Brawl for all. Maybe after talking to uh, Cornette and Russo, maybe you're thinking like, oh, we got to cover Brawl for all. Um, well, we actually went to, to, to interview, um, uh, Vince Russo for that episode originally. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was another episode that was supposed to be, um, in season one, uh, along with Dino. And, uh, again, it was something that had to be shelved. And so we were hoping that when we got, uh, the, uh, second season could finish it. And, the idea behind it was one of the main like themes of the show um, <clears throat> is to kind of examine, you know, like reality bleeding into wrestling, you know, and like, like, like the real world, the human side of things kind of getting intertwined with this, <clears throat> you know, with, with the fantasy world of wrestling. And so um, that's the, the story of the brawl for all Pat checks that box, you know, because it is wrestlers, completely taken out of their element and basically put into, you know, a shoot fight scenario, um, you know, and, and at first it was like kind of, I think we wanted to do it because it's, you know, widely regarded as one of the worst angles ever. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of yep. what, why we wanted to cover it. But as we did the interviews, like as we put it together, it like bizarrely became, I don't know, like, I'm I'm really proud of that episode actually. I think it I think it came out really good. It's 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 like th- there is something like what's the right word I'm looking for. It 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 almost like is kind of makes me feel um not nauseous, but it makes me feel maybe it does. It kind of makes me feel like like watching these guys like so kind of like um out of their element and and almost naive going into the situation that was put together really kind of haphazardly and rushed and, 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 and just like, like, you know, wrestlers risk so much already, like stepping into that ring as a form of entertainment, you know? And, and it's like when, when you're kind of thrust in this situation and like, you're just untrained in this, in this world, some of them, like, you know, you had Dan Severin in the tournament and you had some people, but even the rules Mm -hmm. and the constriction of it is still wonky. And like you, and, and having people like in this, thing week to week and seeing all the injuries pile up and see just the kind of naivete on display. Um, and just really kind of people being put in harm's way, even though they, they signed up for it and they agreed to it, but they signed up and agreed to it because they were, you know, promised more of an opportunity. And then of course you see like, here's a kind of a tragic figure in Bart Gunn, who is someone totally off the radar, probably going to, you know, be, his contract is probably not going to get renewed. And he's just like, all right, I'm going to go in this thing and, you know, I'm going to knock some people out. And so then he starts winning and then you're kind of like cheering for this guy. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're like get behind him. And then like he wins the thing. And then like his prize is like, you know, well, first off, they don't give him any sort of a career push after that. And then, and then like, you know, six months or whatever later, they're like, here, come into WrestleMania and we'll just get a 400 pound guy to like knock your fucking head off your shoulders, you know? And yeah, prof- uh, professional boxer. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. And it's just, it is just this kind of like tragic hero's journey story. And it really is. It's Bart. It, this is the story of Bart Gunn is what it really is. And um, which is cool. You just never would think in 2020 that you'd see 
you know, a Bart Gunn interview on television, which is something I just really like about it, about it. And, uh, and I, I think it's also kind of an episode for hardcore fans at the same time. Like, you know, because it's just, it is kind of bizarre. Like there's so many times where I've watched it back and I'm just like, this is so weird that there's going to be like an hour of television about the brawl for all, but I kind of like it, you know? That's why it stuck out to me so much. I'm like, how are yeah. you like, this is going to be awesome. I love this, but maybe yeah. not. In a, but maybe not in a good way. But I love it. Yeah, so, exactly. I, it, it is very entertaining. And then, of course, like it also becomes like a battle of philosophies. It also becomes kind of a battle of like, you know, re, like you know, you have Cornetta. It's, it's a great vehicle for Cornetta, obviously, to to yes, to, yeah. to cut promos on. And you know, it's, it's also kind of about like protecting wrestling and what it really should be and the essence of it. And then, you know, more so like a Vince Russo mentality, which is, you know, think outside the box, you know, make it, make it, make it something different, capture the trends of the time. So it's these two competing philosophies that kind of are going head to head, like, you know, throughout the episode. Yes. Very, very look much looking forward to that. So great. And as we head towards the finish, we head towards the wind down, now mm-hmm. we we mentioned uh, like a lot of the episodes. Of course, season one also had the Montreal Screwjob episode and the Macho Man Elizabeth episode. But yeah. my favorite, perhaps the Von Erich episode, just because I mean oh, that story yeah. is just so tragic. But but like the rise and fall of world class, the rise and fall of a family. But to see where Kevin Von Erich is now, see where his kids are now. I mean that was such a cool story. So that was possibly my favorite episode of season one. Now, do you have some favorite like or maybe a favorite episode that did that? you know, we didn't kind of really delve into or one that you like more than others? Looking well, back? I mean, well, first off, I, I have to say it's not like entirely fair yet to make this distinction because, you know, there's, we're, we're still actually finishing uh, three episodes currently right oh, now still okay. for season two. We're still, we're still in the, in the final, final stages of finishing the last three episodes. So it wouldn't be fair to judge them all yet, but, um, I think just like the ones that are really personal to me, the Bruiser Brody episode is very personal to me because it was the first. And, you know, we, we, it was, you know, because it was the pilot, we had like the chance to focus on it for like, you know, for like five months, you know? And when you look at season two, which has been like a blur um, because we made 10 hours of the show in nine months, which is just kind of, it's just hard to, it's hard for me to even process that, that like, you know, cause and I, I tallied up that we did 87 interviews and in the, <laughs> the season. Yeah, I know it kind of blows my mind to think that I was present for 87 interviews over the last nine months. But, <clears throat> you know, so, so to go back to Bruiser Brody, like that one, we got to really focus in on and just make, and, you know, just focus on one story. Um, so that one holds a place in my heart. Cause the first, uh, the Von Eric episode, I think was, um, definitely like one of the wilder just experiences. It was, you know, I mean, obviously the Benoit story and the Owen story and, you know, some of the other episodes that we covered go to really emotional places and, and maybe even it's just hard to judge, you know, which is more than the other, but like, I think Von Eric being just kind of the first of that kind for us where like, you know, we really developed a relationship, you know, with that family and, and, and we flew all the way out to, you know, um, Hawaii and like immersed in their lifestyle and got to really know them and, and build that relationship and then have them open up to us so much. So that, that story was just, that, that was just an experience I'll never forget. You know, that was just a, a wild experience. And then um, as far as season two, like, 
I think I have to say the Benoit, like just like that episode because it's the most epic thing that we've put together being like a feature length episode and just, you know, feeling so grateful for the access that we got and, you know, and, and being able to, you know, really get pretty deep into that, into the subject matter and, 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 and to be able to cover it, you know, and just the whole experience of, you know, um, being, you know, uh, being present for those interviews and just how emotional it was for all of us, you know, to kind of go through that all together uh, with everybody and, you know, and spending time with everybody in that episode outside of just filming, you know, and having it be something more than that. Um, that was an experience all. It's just like, yeah. So those are kind of the three that are like, you know, really, really kind of up there for me. But at the same time, uh, the Owen story, you know, it's not done yet, but it's shaping up to be also in that, in that top of the list for me, just in terms of, like it's you know it's going to be quite the experience I think. No doubt about it. Season one was awesome. I highly encourage anybody who hasn't seen Benoit, the Chris Benoit documentary, the two-part series, the two-part basically opener for the series this season. Mm-hmm. I highly, highly recommend it. Critically acclaimed show, a Dark Side of the Ring on Viceland or Crave if you're in Canada. But I mean, just awesome, awesome stuff. Just kind of give us one like little little kind of tidbit uh, for season two. Um, just to kind of just make people even more intrigued, maybe just a, uh, just a nugget of like a tease of something to, you know, maybe unexpected for season two. Oh, if you can, I don't even know if you, let me, I am, I'm just trying to think, like I said, it was a blur. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so yep. I'm trying to think easier to answer that question. Like if, had we made like one episode, um, I'm just trying to think, uh, something unexpected, something, mm-hmm. yep. something, no sports. Well, I, yeah, I know. Well, that's tough too. That's, that's also tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think that, I think that the brawl for all, I don't know. I think the brawl for all as an episode, like, you know, cause that's the episode that I just feel like I've gotten so much like, huh? Over, you know, like a lot of people mm-hmm. just yep. message, like people have emailed me and messaged me like, how the hell did you get an hour out of that? You know, and blah, 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 you know? And it's just like, I think that, I think that's going to be, I think people are going to really dig that. And I think, I think that'll be, I think that's unexpected, you know, because the episode for us to do is unexpected, but I think people like after they see it, it's going to, it's going to feel, they're going to, they're going to be surprised by it. Um, So maybe that's my answer Um, outside of some of the other stuff that we've talked about. Um, But I will say that there are little nuggets of information and little you know, things that are going to, you know, come to light, let's just say, in a few mm. of these episodes that you'll see that I think are going to be things that people will be talking about, for sure. And I don't want to spoil any of those, but there are a couple nice. of those. Nice. And just remember, folks, season two, just think about this. If you're a hardcore fan or a casual fan, just think about this in your mind, you're a wrestling fan. Chris Benoit, New Jack, Owen Hart, Herb Abrams, Brawl for All, Jimmy Snuka, Dino Bravo, David Schultz, and the freaking Road Warriors. I mean, you can't get better than that uh, for season two. But, Evan, please give us um, you know, all your plugs, all social media plugs, where everybody can kind of find you and find out about all the projects you're working on. What's that? Sorry? Uh, your social media. Please give me you know, all the projects and stuff or anything else that you're working on. I've got to be better on. at self-promoting. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. There you go. Come on. Yeah. So you can, you can follow me um, on Instagram or Twitter at Evan Husney, um, my name. 
And uh, you can also uh, follow the show at Dark Side of Ring on Twitter and at Dark Side of the Ring on Instagram. And yeah, just stay tuned. I mean, we're always posting stuff, uh, posting clips and trailers and, you know, awesome photos. We've just amassed like so many cool photos from everybody um, doing all, you know, 87 of these interviews. Um, so yeah, just like give us a follow and you know, tell us what you think of the show. And uh, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think that that's about it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> awesome stuff, of course, from Dark Side of the Ring. Check it out, like I said, on Viceland or Crave in Canada, but that is Dark Side of the Ring, and I implore you right now to check out the Chris Benoit episode. Evan, thank you so much for all the time. I appreciate it, and I will continue to enjoy a Dark Side of the Ring, and here's to a season three, hopefully. Oh, I can't even begin to think about that, but, you know, <laughs> got to finish yeah. season two first. It's not done yes. yet. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you and your time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.